Hi, Spielbees. Um, this is Emily here. This is uh, this is our Back to the Future episode, or should I say episodes? Um, as we have a tendency to do, we went a little long on this one, so we've decided to split it up. And by I say decided, I mean we knew in advance that we were gonna have to split this up because we knew we were gonna go super fucking long. Um, so what you're hearing right here is part one of I think it's gonna be a four part episode actually. Uh, but if you are one of the loonies who just wants to hear the whole thing uncut you can go to benviewnetwork.com slash back to the future um, and you'll find it there it is just over four hours long i don't advise you listen to that but if you want the option um, it is there for the rest of you this is our normal feed please enjoy this episode broken down into sort of digestible chunks and if you're wondering the song you're going to hear at the end of this is time bomb town by lindsey buckingham it's on the back to the future soundtrack we talk about it in a later episode but it felt just sort of tonally appropriate to put at the end of this one so that's what you're going to hear this is part one we don't make it out of 1985 in fact we don't even get to the introduction of doc brown in this first hour which just goes to show how much we we have to say about back to the future uh so i hope you enjoy this and we'll see you next week with more Back to the Future talk. Thanks. Bye. Hello and welcome to Benview on Spielberg. I'm your resident Spielberg apatheticist, Emily Schmemily. And I am the resident Spielberg fanatic, Jesse Kizan. I would say we're both fanatics today, though. Yes. Um, this is, this is going to be another long kid. This is going to be, we're going to, we're going to like, like a, like a football player going to receive a pass from some famous football player who throws far that I don't know because I don't know football. We're going to go long today. We'll be we are going long. We are. Um, how did you feel about that setup? That a, joke? It was, a, it was a little, it was a little shaky, mm-hmm. but I, mm-hmm. I think you, uh, you uh, delivered. Thank you. And I, I, I'm, I'm ready to move on. That's not accurate, <laughs> but thank you. I mean, the last part is accurate. What about you being ready to move on? Um, what do we watch for this episode, Justin? An episode we've been talking about. We've been hyping it up. Yep. For, I feel, years now. Yes. The that show, sounds accurate. Because the show's now been on for a couple years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is an episode that we were both knew we were going to do. Yeah. But we also knew that when it wasn't, you know, obviously we couldn't do it right away because he didn't direct it. Course. Um, but also the question is when were we gonna do it? And also knowing when uh, you and me did Jaws, yes, and learning that oh, we when- we talked a little bit about Jaws. <laughs> we talked just a bit about Jaws. <laughs> we we love Jaws so much that that made me go uh oh. When yeah. we get to this episode, I'm a bit concerned at yeah. the length. Yeah, but effort. What? We, but F it. Oh, fuck uh, it. Fuck it. Yeah. Because. I, didn't know, I thought you were sorry. saying one word to make trying, me confused. Sometimes I'm trying, I don't try to do too much he's cursing. Saying <laughs> effect? He's saying it weird. I don't know what's going on. Fuck it. Fuck there it. Um, but this. Fuck but, it. Fuck it. Yes, because, God damn it. Swear. But Get this, it like <laughs> the thing in the movie. <laughs> but this, this episode, this movie has been established to be a very important movie to us. And that was the situation with Jaws, too. But I, but 
for both of us, I would argue this movie even more so. Yes. Okay, enough. Enough yeah. dancing issue. Let's just say it. Let's say it together. Dun, 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 it's back, back to, to the future. future. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Stupid. We're doing Back to the Future today. Yes. Um, do I have my DeLorean? Is it around in the room somewhere? It is. It's on top of my bookshelf right now. You can see a DeLorean. Nice. You're sitting down, so you might not be able to see it. From I, your I, angle. Well, the doors are up. So. The doors are open, which means they're up on the DeLorean, so you can kind of see it just peeking over Han Solo's head over there. <laughs> um, this is a very special movie to both of us. Yes. Uh, when did you first see Back to the Future? It's that is one of those weird questions mm. of I. It was always there. Yeah. And I was that kid that they just kind of plopped in front of the television. Sure. And <laughs> as, as many a young nerd are. Yeah. And I just absorbed. Yeah. And so um, Back to the Future was absolutely a absorbed through television movie. Because mm-hmm. I would have been two when the movie came out. Yeah. So I definitely didn't see it in theaters. Um, but it was always there. And Back to the Future was a movie that I knew. Whenever it was on, I might just start humming the theme song throughout this entire that's, episode. That's totally by the fine. Way, because using, I can't help myself. I'm, I'm using that as kind of like background music. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I did it, which is why I had to break dinner <laughs> to explain. I am sorry about that, but it 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 will happen. It will happen. That's totally fine. Yeah. But I just whenever I think about it, whenever it was on TV, no matter what point, I'll stop what I was doing. I'll put my toys down. I'll stop drawing or whatever. And just finish Back to the Future yeah. till the end. Yeah. Um, how about you? Do you actually remember the first time you saw it? Um, I don't remember the first viewing. I remember I was about 12. Okay. And being like weirdly embarrassed about it just because none of my friends like were into it all. Like none of them had seen it or knew what it was. And it was like one of the first, you know, like when I was into Star Wars as a kid, like the re-releases had just come out. It was 97. Like everyone my age was into Star Wars. But right. Back to the Future was kind of the first big one where it's like, it was. It's weird to say that it was like a bit of a deep cut, but as a, as like a twelve year old in whatever two thousand one, yeah. like none of the other twelve year olds were talking about this movie. They were talking about uh, Spider Man or whatever, yeah. which I also liked. But um, and I I remember getting very into it, and um, yeah, I just had the DVD and I would just watch it over and over and over again, sort of until now. Like that that, <laughs> that hasn't stopped until now. I mean, I have the Blu Ray now, not a DVD, but that's mm-hmm. all that's changed really. It's just been. <laughs> Upgraded the the defini- yeah. high, high definition. <laughs> um, it was also a full screen DVD when it came out. Those, those seem like a relic of the past. Don't full they? screen, yeah. You don't see full screen DVDs too often. Not anymore. anymore because TVs aren't full screen anymore. But no, the full screen is the widescreen. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's full screen. Yeah. Um, from those humble beginnings with my full screen DVD, your pan and scan cap copy. Yeah. 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 Um, it's it's interesting that you said that about like. Being twelve in two thousand and one, because like I do recall Was that math check. No, I would have been twelve in. Was how old were you been in your two thousand three? I would have been twelve. Yeah, then you were little. Yeah. That's not too off. But I I do recall like my my nephews who uh now they're like twenty two twenty one. Yeah. But I that was something I realized with that with their with their generation that like yeah. <clears throat> like I said for me I saw it on TV it was mm-hmm. constantly airing. Yeah. Because what else are they gonna show? <laughs> you know? yeah, of course. Uh, and so um but for my nephews i hit me that all of a sudden they were 10 mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i realized like you guys seen back to the future right yeah and they both looked at me 10 nine-year-old kids and like what's that yeah. <gasps> right because you don't watch tv the same way yeah. so i had to dig up my dvds <clears throat> and like plop them down and start i had them watch the first one at least yeah 
and that was I, and, and yeah they they said they liked it but they didn't they, they didn't go can watch the next one now i'm like yeah. okay i'm like oh you know there's two more oh there's two more cool uncle justin <laughs> <laughs> Um, Justin's trying to get us to watch his nerd movies. <laughs> it's not a nerd movie. It's culturally significant. <laughs> oh shit, he's going off. Highly successful. <laughs> get him, get him on something else. Talk about Star Wars. Find a bigger fish. <laughs> um, so that's ooh. right. Within my scenario, your your nephew's referenced the, the Phantom Menace <laughs> in their meta discussion. Oh no, no, don't worry, you're not wrong. <laughs> Do they, are they prequel fans? Yeah, because they were the right age to watch them. Yeah. Like you know, like they when we went to, when they go when they saw like uh, Force Awakens, mm-hmm. you know, I, I asked them what you guys think of it. I was like, oh, it's fine. Not, and they did the whole looked around to see if anyone yeah. listened because they know. But they're like, I mean, I, I, I still like Revenge of the Sith more. I went, that's fine. Well, you're those precious precious <laughs> babies, well, and I don't mean that in a condescending movie no, because no. I love the prequels. <laughs> um, but those those precious children. It's like I it's I, I have gone softer on like making fun of those movies nowadays. Yeah. So um, especially what I think of their situation. Mm-hmm. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we're not here to talk about that movie. <laughs> this is, I mean, but let's talk about Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh let's to get into some just before we dive into the film, some more outside mm-hmm. of the film ephemera. Sure. Have you visited any of the locations from the film? There's I, a few of them. You I can have. See. Yeah. Which ones have you seen? Several. Um, I have in fact uh, been to. Uh, been to the high school that they shot the exteriors at. Nice. And that was by accident. I had oh, a, really? I had a friend who was uh, performing a play in their auditorium. Like th- It's a big, fancy auditorium. Huh. And as we're driving up there, uh, one of my friends goes, hey, by the way, did you know that like that's where they shot Back to the Future? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Huh? And we drove up. And I'm like, that's right. That's, that's, where, that's where Marty runs up the stairs yeah. and Jennifer like, grabs him. That's wild. And did you stand outside and say, "Oh, look! They really cleaned it up. It looks brand new." I did. <laughs> <laughs> I totally did. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a super short story is me and my brother when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother actually actively looking for Doc Brown's mansion. Yeah. Um, it's in Pasadena, right? Pasadena. Yeah. We took freaking forever, and I even remember like. <laughs> Uh, I remember my brother like my, me and my brother having a pit stop at a Seven Eleven, and I grab a, I got a Slurpee and a bag of Cheetos. That was mm-hmm. my sustenance. Yeah, until we finally to give you the energy to find Doc Brown's house. <laughs> yeah, we did eventually find it. Yeah. Um, you should have gotten a caffeine-free Pepsi. <laughs> they don't call it Pepsi-free anymore, but it still exists. It's still that's true. Um, and I'm trying to think of other locations of Back to Future I've been to. Because it's I'm, interesting because I haven't been to either of those, but I have been to two that you haven't listed yet. Okay, what are those? Uh, I've seen Marty's house. Um, I have not seen Marty's house. Marty's house is interesting. Someone lives there now, so it's a little <laughs> bit. It's like a little bit weird uh, looking at it because you look at it and it's like it's very recognizably Marty's house. Yeah. Like there's like some um, power lines in the <laughs> background mm-hmm. that weren't there in the eighties, right. but otherwise it is exactly Marty's house still, and it's crazy. But then, like, where is that at? Like, what city? It's in Burbank. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah. and I've seen uh, Doc's lab. The eighties, the not his house, not his mm-hmm. mansion, but the oh, in the eighties, his 80s lab, the okay. one that's by the Burger King, and that Burger King is still there. <laughs> Together, we've seen all the sites that you can go visit. Yeah, exactly, that, uh, and yet we have oh, no crossover. Oh, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hill Valley Mall. Oh yeah, which is uh, oh my gosh, is it Diamond Bar? I've actually never been to that one either. Unfortunately, I am blanking out. It's, I, it's Justin. It's Lone Pine Mall. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. No, um, uh, Lone Pine Mall. What are you talking about? Two, it's two. It's Twin Pine Mall. No, it's, <laughs> it's Twin Pine. Uh, we've discovered we're from different universes. 
Um, you're from 1985A. Yeah. <laughs> no, I said Lone Pine, so I would be B, right? You are B. Yeah. Touche. Well, even that's like 1985B. That's that's the Biff verse. We're we're backtracking a bit. <laughs> so here's the we're thing. Si- we're sidetracking. There's, there's 1980, 1985AA. Oh, you're right. Which would be you know George is a wuss. Biff makes him do his right. reports. Yeah. 1985A is George is a successful sci-fi author. Right. And then 1985B mm-hmm. is when Biff has the casino. You're right. Um, God, we're fucking dorks. <laughs> um, but no, um, I have been to the mall. Yeah. And uh, definitely when they had the... Uh, I, just been, I, just, I just been to that mall, period. Yeah. Like that Where was is that mall? mall? I uh, forget. I'm blanking out right now. I'll go look it up real quick. Um, <laughs> Excuse me? But um, is this actually... Yeah, it's about like a good 30 minute away from here, but... Uh, well, where 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 I'm currently living is at. it in Whittier? For some reason, I'm getting a Whittier vibe. <laughs> I'm getting that Whittier yeah, vibe. I'm getting strong Whittier vibe from the mall. Picking I up on those Whittier vibrations. It's, it's sort of Whittier-ish. It's Whittier adjacent. It's Whittier adjacent. It, I, I will tell you, for you to think it's in Whittier, you're not wrong. Okay. <laughs> that does. That is a that is a that is a pretty accurate place. Um. Are you looking Puente's at Puente's Hills Mall? Where is it? Puente Hills Mall. Is so that in Puente Hills? It's in Puente Hills. That makes sense. <laughs> That's how it got the name. Um, and the the well, J C Penny is gone now, though, right? The J C Penny, I think, is still mildly there. Okay. I think it's still there. But uh, when they did the thirtieth anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, they did do uh, there's a you know Universal like well, somebody does the huge like celebration of Back to the Future where, and so one of the deals, of course, is you just recreate the opening. Mm. Or you create the the, yeah. the mall chase, yes, which is super cool, and of course it costs money, so I didn't go. Yeah, but I started noticing, hearing rumors that now where did where does one? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. But where does one park when they're recreating the mall show? Because they're taking up the parking lot with the show. Presumably. It's actually a really huge. There's parking. a lot of parking. There's more parking lot besides where the action happens. Yeah, you okay, just have to kind good. of to strategically like find a spot nearby. Yeah. But um, what I did find out online was that like all of a sudden I started people started started seeing people take photos of. Of a Twin Pines mm. mall sign, of course, and I'm like, whoa, 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 yeah, wait, 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 that's there. And so, even though I couldn't make it to the real event, yeah, um, on October fifteenth, mm-hmm. twenty fifteen, yeah, <laughs> me and uh and my buddy Victor drove uh, right after work, drove all the way to Puente Hills Mall, yeah. to just take the photo in front of the sign, yeah. And of course, a bunch of other nerds did the literal same thing. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, and we all took photos, and we, you know, and then the cool like Doc Brown's like truck was like van, like you know, like big truck was still there, mm-hmm. and like saw cool details of like, oh look, it's Einstein's box, cooking a box for his oh, yeah. dog food and shit like that. Yeah. So that was super cool. Um, so yes, I have been to the the Puente Hills Mall, which is Twin Lone Pines. Twin mall. slash Lone Pines Mall. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the last time I've been to any Back to the Future location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say mm-hmm. my st- stray observations from the two locations I visited. Um, Marty's street looks way smaller in real life than it does in the film. That sounds... That's I think fairly typical for sure. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the Burger King is still there. I was I was going with um, I don't know enemy of the show. I guess is how you say it because he's not friend of the show. Derek Armijo, who I do mm-hmm. another show with, <laughs> who uh, really takes issue with the fact that I don't like Steven Spielberg when I host the Steven Spielberg podcast. <laughs> So I was I was with enemy of the show Derek Armijo, <laughs> and he um he really took issue with me for not eating at the Burger King <laughs> that was featured in the film, uh, but I had eaten on the way there. I did not realize we would be eating at the Burger King. I um, mean, like, 
No character actually ate at the Burger well, King. Well, <laughs> something that's amazing about Back to the Future is that mm-hmm. I, I, even now, after I've seen it so many times, I notice new things. And then I thought a really nice little touch was mm-hmm. in the establishing shots of Doc's Labs. We do see empty Burger King cups that's and Burger true. King wrappers. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. So while we never see anybody actually eat inside, it is implied a lot. Heavily implied that Doc Brown does eat at that Burger King. I, okay. What do you think is a Doc Brown... What do you think Doc Brown gets at Burger what, King? What's his daily meal at Burger King? Oh, that, I don't think. Well, I don't think he has a daily meal at Burger King. <laughs> you think Doc Brown cooks? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> I know. I think Doc Brown has some inventions that cook for him. Okay, fair. I think he. I think much like the weird egg machine in, in Gremlins, <laughs> I think he's got some stuff like that. Well, we saw that in the opening as well. Like, there's With that the toaster machine. Oh, the and, toaster, yeah. But okay, but what do you think is a uh, Doc Brown gets his dinner at Burger King? What do you think he usually gets? think um i'm trying to so i have first i have to go into the mind of doc brown right and then i have to go into the burger king menu of 1985 Mm -hmm. six years before i was born try your best (laughs) um i think uh oh this is tough Mm -hmm. i because i don't think he goes for a classic whopper i don't think he's a whopper guy okay Um, chicken sandwich yeah yeah. I mean, is there a fish option at, at, at Burger King? Mm. Is there a Burger King equivalent of a fish fillet? There is now, but not then. Not then. Then I would think he would go for the chicken sandwich. That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Like a lettuce mayo chicken sandwich. Yeah, that, that's got a <laughs> Doc Brown vibe to me. Because <laughs> I'm with you. I don't feel him as a cheeseburger guy. No. But like a lettuce, like a crispy chicken patty lettuce mayo. Yeah, that seems right to me. <laughs> I'm glad we both agree on that. Um. So we're in it now. We have yeah. ta- we have officially talked about a little part of the first scene of the film. <laughs> well, I mean, this is okay. This is that's the amazing thing about the opening in this movie mm-hmm. is that it always always gives you something yes. to appreciate about it. Yeah. And I actually noticed two things that I'd never seen before Go in for the it. intro this time. Mm-hmm. One of them was one that I had read about, but for some reason I just never took the time to sort of notice it. Mm-hmm. Um which is cuz it's easy to miss because of the coloring. But on one of Doc Brown's many clocks, he has like a little Harold Lloyd figure hanging yeah. off the line. And it's like it's like a white clock on a slightly off-white Harold <laughs> Lloyd figure, so it's super easy to miss. Right. And I definitely like I had read that, you know, trivia factoid before I knew it was there, but I'd never actually like saw it until now. Right. Um and so that's that a great a fun little Easter egg. Well, that's that's a great bit of too. It's like it's the idea that like, okay, like FYI, you're gonna see Doc do a variation of this yeah. in the finale. Um, I'm sure this is, I've definitely seen this chunk before, but I, yeah. you know, I, I, I have like a year apart when I rewatch the movie. Yeah. So, so even I forget a little detail and, and the smallest one for me is again, like storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. This is so great about this opening is that it gives you a little clues about things that will possibly happen. Yeah. It tells you everything about doc yeah. and the kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. And then when the door opens, and Marty, and whose face we do not see in the entirety of the op- of this credit sequence, when Marty comes in calling out for Doc and Einstein, and then we see the little detail of him putting the door key underneath the mat, I love that so much mm-hmm. because it is it tells you everything about their relationship in literally two seconds. Yeah. No ex like that is like he knows this guy, and he's so close to him that he could just open the door. Yeah. He knows where the key is at. And he can just come in whenever he pleases. He doesn't need to knock. He just walks in. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, that is such good storytelling uh, of, of explaining character of a, of a relationship before you even see them together. Mm-hmm. 
so good, as you know. He's also comfortable enough with Doc that he 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 won't screw around with his experimental guitar yeah. equipment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun. Um, that's the thing is I I it's funny because I whenever uh when I think back on on Shaun of the Dead, yeah. Um, I do know that uh, what one of the films that Edgar and Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg did look up, despite them doing a horror comedy. One of the films they did watch was uh, Back to the Future, mm. and they point out the fact that Back to the Future is just one of the best scripted, like big budget Hollywood movies. And part of the thing I realized, like what they took inspiration from Back to the Future, is this opening scene, which almost sets up a lot of the events of the late of the film. Yeah, is definitely echoed in Shaun of the Dead yeah. when where their night of their planned night of drinking mirrors the events that will happen to them with the the, the Zed words. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a trick that they've used, I think, in the other two movies, I yes. believe. Like, I definitely know they do that trick again in, in World's End. They do it in Hot Fuzz, too. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while since I've seen my absolute favorite <laughs> movie. Yeah. But uh, I have, uh, but I, yeah, I, but it's a good trick and it's mm -hmm. a fun way to kind of like set up the rest of the movie, especially when you don't realize they're telling you the rest of the movie. Yeah. It, you just kind of have to pay attention a little bit of it. Um, I also just love the simpleness of just like title, no music. You know, no score, no just clocks ticking. That's all you hear. Yeah. Which is exactly again setting you up. Yeah, this is all about this like is a movie about time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh -oh. mm. So Marty gets in the house. Yeah. He sets down a skateboard, which bumps into uh, a case of plutonium. <laughs> so already you're also questioning, like, oh. who do you hang out with? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this teen boy hanging out with someone who has plutonium <laughs> under their bed? Also, like the idea of like plutonium, like a skateboard nudging a box of plutonium <laughs> it's like ah if you don't know yeah. <laughs> uh, and also as we soon after we see the plutonium there's a news report about stolen plutonium <laughs> which sets up like a, a lot of intrigue yeah but i think also helps the sort of you know in another movie like uh, like you, you could do a whole movie about stealing plutonium right like that oh, could yeah. be a movie mm -hmm. and here it is set up and it pays off like five minutes later <laughs> Um, so it gets the pace going nice and fast, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marty plugs his tiny electric guitar. <laughs> is it an is it officially an electric ukulele at that point? I think it's a guitar guitar. It's so small. It is very small. It's a small. very tiny little little yellow guitar. In the biggest speaker. <laughs> and into the biggest speaker, which he, of course, turns all the way up on yeah, all the dials. because he's a teen. Yes, <laughs> it's classic teen behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... He plays one note, and the it, the force of the sound wave sends him across the room, uh, permanently deafening him. It's <laughs> they don't remark on that for the rest of the film, but like obviously a, it would. So well, he's very good at lip reading. Yeah, that's, we we never talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's in fact the thing. Actually, he was already deaf before from an earlier guitar stunt. <laughs> that's how he got good at lip reading, and now he's just he's trying to find a speaker loud enough that he can hear it. Another level. Uh, <laughs> you guys didn't know that, did you? No. No audience, you did not. <laughs> um, that's that's after he, he. That's also our first shot of 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 Michael J. Fox. Yes. Uh, officially on screen uh, now. Officially, uh, uh, as he gets up, yeah. and just like going, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, indeed. Did you ever think about how Back to the Future and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure are both '80s time travel comedies, and they both open with teens blowing out speakers uh, with guitar playing consistently? I also love Bill and Ted. Do you, so. think they, do you think they did that on purpose in Bill and Ted? 
I think that was like in both movies. Yeah, it's yeah. not at all related to the larger no. plot, no, and no, yet no, they no. both open the exact. And then uh, immediately after destroying the speakers, uh, discovering that they are late for school. I uh, I I think that is probably the case. <laughs> I was sitting there like, hold on, no. Yeah. I, I love Bill and Ted, but I'm not gonna give them that out. Yeah. <laughs> they they knew what they were doing. <laughs> they knew what they were doing when they were doing their time traveling teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a ridiculous uh, mm-hmm. box scenario, um, yeah, yeah, and then the that's when that's when Doc calls, right? Yeah, and, and I will say even before so before Doc calls, yeah, it hit me before we even see his face. There are a few people as charismatic as 1980s Michael J. Fox, sure, which is that you know I'm sitting here as an adult, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a I'm a grown adult, yeah, and I'm still thinking this kid's cool <laughs> as I'm as I'm hearing Michael J. Fox talk. <laughs> It's effortless, um, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's, there's, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But clearly, Michael J. Fox, specifically in this time period, he just had it. Yeah. Unlike the person they originally cast. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Should we, when should we talk about that? The, maybe, s- the Stoltz bomb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, maybe a little bit later. Yeah. I feel like, because most of my stuff I want to bring up about Eric Stoltz, mm-hmm. uh, uh comes into play when God there is so much to talk about with this movie <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about Eric Stoltz before we started recording but fucking of course we have to talk about Eric Stoltz um I I, I feel like when we get to Marty in 1955 mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I have a lot okay. of my Eric Stoltz yeah points. we'll talk there yeah so I'll pin yeah Keep, we'll put a pin on that hopefully I remember we've pinned the Stoltz discussion <laughs> that, that, when we break this episode into multiple episodes we'll most likely have to do um, we could, one of them will just be a separate podcast called the Stoltz discussion. Stoltz is, it's yeah. just a very stern picture of you and me going very like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, Doc calls and well, warns him about the speaker, which I think is a great joke already. Yeah. He's like, oh hey, by the way, don't do that. Yeah, okay, you got it, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Um, and then also every freaking cl- alarm clock yeah. just goes nuts. Yeah. And Doc is very happy about that because he successfully timed them all to be 25 minutes late. Yeah. Or early. Uh, they're slow. They're so slow. 25 the minutes is slow. They, they, the clock says it's 8 o'clock, but it's actually 8.25. In which Marty's like, well, damn well, it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm late for school. Hang up. Dun, kicks dun. Yeah. Um, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. God, it's so good. It's a good fucking song. Um, there's a really nice moment in that phone call though, where one of the first things Marty asks about is Einstein. Yeah. Which uh, I don't know. It it really it warms my heart that um, you don't necessarily see them interact a ton, mm-hmm. but you get these hints throughout that that Marty like cares about Einstein, and no, as sure. as a dog lover, that that warms my heart. I like to see it again, and it's really good like establishing how deep they are in each other's lives. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like Marty's looking around, and he's seeing. Einstein's food, yeah, piling up, piling up. So clearly, mm-hmm. okay, Doc and Einstein aren't here. Yeah, the hell, <laughs> you know where they've been gone for a while. And yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, he's concerned. It's like, Einstein, all right? Yeah, like, Einstein's okay, right? right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, yeah. like, oh, he's with me. I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. All right, as long as you got him, you yeah. know. Um, I almost feel like I, Doc's the kind of person that gets a little absent-minded in his work. Yeah, and. Uh, Marty's dare to ensure that the dog is fine. Yes, I, I agree with that. That read. Yeah. Um, um. So then Marty sketches to school. Yeah. 
Because he's a cool kid. He skateboards in a hugely dangerous manner. The most dangerous <laughs> thing I can think of. It's so scary. As a kid, I only thought this was cool. I watched right. it and I was like, holy shit, this kid's fucking cool. <laughs> and now I watched it and I think, put on a goddamn helmet, Marty. What are you doing? Like, it's like, what if a car, you've never considered the idea that a car behind the car you're currently dragging yourself on yeah. will just speed up? Or yeah. what if, how do you just. He's fine though. He's clearly or done. like your hand slips, or the car makes a turn you're not expecting, so then the momentum throws you yeah. off. There's so many things that could go wrong, and you're going so fast, and you're on a skateboard, <laughs> and you're not wearing any kind of pads. <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah, oh, but you're fine, and I'm sure Hill Valley is a small ass town that nothing bad happens. Really? <laughs> Question well, mark. Question mark. Anyway, um, uh, we of course get a, a a generous shot of the driver's Mountain Dew hat as yeah. part of his <laughs> But it also gives us a good dose of Hill Valley 1985. Yes. There's the there's a there's an aerobics gym. I really want to talk about the aerobics gym. Please. Because it is Lou's Aerobics Fitness Center. Um and it is in the same location as Lou's Diner in mm-hmm. the 50s. Yeah. What do you imagine the connection is there? Do you imagine that Lou from the diner in the 50s is running this aerobics studio? He would be like 90 in 1985. Right, right, right. Um or do you imagine is it Lou's son? Is mm-hmm. also named Lou. Is it Lou is the owner, but he doesn't actually run it? I want to know how the Lou branding. <laughs> why is the Lou branding still there? Yeah, because they were. If you're a fitness center, yeah. Why do you like Lou? The name <laughs> Lou doesn't inspire you to to, to lose weight and, and I mean, I guess like maybe back in the day, people were there's a lot of dancing happening at Lou's, as we see in one scene. Perhaps that was it's the extension, the evolution of Lou's. Yeah. <laughs> More into the dancing than they are the food, <laughs> and it's a. But you can't dance during. You no know, one wants to go dancing during the day. But maybe if I Margaret, the, what if I get rid of the restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> Just make it a dance. It's studio. very curious. Other than to you know show to be a connection for the audience that this right. is the same location. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand the evolution of this business. <laughs> Perhaps the people who bought that lot just in tribute to Lou, yeah. even though they're they have they personally have nothing to do with Lou. They yeah. just called it Lou's yeah. because out of tribute to the man they bought this there, from. There's a whole whole side movie. Yeah. About Lou's fitness center. Yeah. <laughs> What's the official name? Lou's uh I, I, I think it's Lou's aerobic fitness center. I could be wrong with that. That is like that is a story. Yeah. <laughs> that is a side story on its own. Yeah. Um Mark uh, Marty does finally get to uh, school. Yeah, and uh, Jennifer, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. basically helps him rush in because she knows how yeah. really, really late he is. Yeah, uh, she risking her own neck too mm-hmm. because she is she is now herself late for class. Right, unless she's one of those seniors. So you know, sometimes you could be a senior and you have one less period because you did your electives right. That didn't look like the case in this movie though. No, no, no because they get caught. Yeah, by Mister Mister Strickland. Strickland, and it is here where I want to bring up one of. The flaws of the film, I would uh-huh. say, mm-hmm. which is they they don't always do old age makeup so well. Yeah, and I think old age makeup uh, in Back to the Future falls into two categories. One is it just it looks really fake and bad, and we <laughs> we sort of see that in the case of um, Crispin Glover a yeah. little bit, yeah. uh, and um, Lorraine, Lorraine a little bit, Leah Thompson, yeah, Leah Thompson. Um, and then the other category I would say, which applies to Strickland and Doc Brown who in the 50s, that they're supposed to be the same age as the actor, and presumably <laughs> in the 80s, they're supposed to be 30 years older, yeah. but they look exactly the same. <laughs> like, there's supposedly makeup on them to make them look old. Yeah. 
I think you see a little bit of it on like Strickland's neck. That's the majority of the makeup, but I not see. on his face. Not on his face. I, which is a curious choice. Well, here's the thing: curious choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or is Strickland an immortal? Is that what you're about to suggest? Well, have you seen the actor playing Strickland now? James Token. He yeah. does look very similar today. <laughs> even that is true. And just thirty years later, I feel perhaps I just were like that. Someone took a look at him and was like, "You're not aging." No. <laughs> You're, I can tell you're not going to age. You're perpetually going to look like this. You've, you've you've got the Patrick Stewart gift. Yeah, yeah, like just you're gonna you're not fighting age. Yeah, but age has decided you stop here. Yeah, <laughs> and you know he probably was like I don't know how old he is here, but he looks. I mean, he looks. I would say like forties, maybe. Yeah, forties. He was maybe someone who has just looked in his forties since he was twenty. Yeah, yeah. And, and for a while that was a bummer, but then he was sixty and it's cool. <laughs> Um, and yeah, no, and he says the, 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 the really hardcore immortal lines, like, no McFly mm-hmm. has ever amounted to anything here in Hill Valley. And I would say, accurate. Yeah. I would say, <laughs> I would say super duper accurate, because without the intervention of time travel, nothing would have happened to George McFly. Yep. With the intervention of time travel, Marty still fucks up his life. <laughs> like, Strickland fucking calls it. He's kind of a shithead about it. Yeah. But he's not wrong. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and in fact, mm-hmm. he said one of the other things he says to Marty is like, you should not be hanging around with Doc Brown. That man's a bad influence. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> Doc Brown stole plutonium, <laughs> and over the course of the next ninety minutes or so, we're gonna find out. Also, side note on the plutonium stealing, we the way he does it not good. is a dumb way of doing it. Yes, <laughs> and then and yet somehow that is the least of his crimes because over the course of the next ninety minutes, he nearly destroys the universe. <laughs> I would say Strickland was one hundred percent on point with his assessment to Marty. Um, but motivation, right? That's yeah. the motive. Uh, I guess, but Strickland is, I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time not seeing Strickland as the hero of these films because in every <laughs> timeline, he is sort of doing the right thing, I feel like. Um, do you ever, side note, do you ever see Masters of the Universe? Uh, no. Okay, so if you want to see Strickland in literally a, another movie. This is the He-Man film. He is the He-Man film. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, I forgot the actor's name already. James. Uh, James Token. James Token. Or Tolkien. There's an L in there, but I don't know how hard you're supposed to hit it. He basically plays Strickland again yeah. in Masters of the Universe. Nice. But it's kind of awesome because he plays a cop in that movie. Yeah. And at one point he gets transferred over to Eternia and he's still, he's kind of like, if you're ever, if, for, for the readers who, who, or maybe you, but like who are familiar with the fourth world, Jack Kirby stuff hmm. of the DC stuff, he's, he's, all, he's basically Dan Terrible Turpin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm not familiar with that character. But. Don't. Okay. Uh, Dan Taylor Turpin, who's essentially Jack Kirby. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm familiar with that character, yeah. <laughs> the character of Jack Kirby. And it's super funny to just see Strickland in a slightly heroic role. Yeah. So if, that, if, you, if you love Strickland... Well, if, I, again, not, I would argue not, that Strickland is correct. No, but like, not, not, not specifically you, but if you just want to see him in another... Uh, yeah. To the audience, if you just want to see him in another movie where he's essentially Strickland, yeah. except he's fighting with Dolph Lundgren... Yeah. Masters of the Universe is your movie. <laughs> okay. But let's, I really want to take a look at this. So Strickland in the first movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Shuts down Marty. Says no McFly ever meant anything. Tells mm-hmm. him to hang out with Doc. As I've established, correct on both fronts. <laughs> Maybe a little harsh, but this fucking shitty scofflaw kid is like rubbing it in his nose that he's showing up to school late. 
Uh, and then in the fifties, like, okay, like George McFly is this mean picked on kid and, mm-hmm. and Strickland is maybe not fair to him, which yeah. maybe seems like a bad guy thing. Mm-hmm. George McFly is a fucking peeping Tom. George yeah. McFly is a creep. And I would say Strickland is right to, to, to say, Hey, that kid's not a good influence. We shouldn't. It's amazing how, um, the peeping Tom element yeah. is, is almost glossed over in some cons- yeah. in concern in the conversation of this movie. Yeah. And um, well, it's, it's one of those things that in, in the, in the stark light of 2018, yeah. maybe does not hold up as well as it did in 1985. No. And I, I'll get to, Further realization of like uh, of the movie as much as I still love it and it's still very important to me. Yeah. Uh, of realizing certain things like ah right yeah some things have aged yeah because this was thirty years ago yeah um anyway I'm not done talking about Strickland really right. really fair enough that's back a, to the future there's one. so much movie back to, the future, back to the future part two okay alternative 1985 1985b mm. Strickland is like the lone vigilante hero that is super up to the to Biff's evil gang it is super cool I will admit to that <laughs> <laughs> like Strickland is on his fucking front porch with a shotgun yeah when Biff's asshole i mean i guess they're not necessarily explicitly related to biff mm-hmm. but you know the 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 the, the people terrorizing the city yeah, yeah. because of Biff's influence strickland is the is the one you know <laughs> arbiter of justice yeah and then in back to the future part three technically not the same character mm-hmm. but strickland is like this heroic sheriff who who is the one person who will stand up to buford mad dog tannin mm-hmm. and like and uh, in a deleted scene not in the film but in a deleted scene gets killed for it that's right um also in back to the future part two he 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 he's the one person who's like biff is a horrible person and i need to stop him in the 50s mm-hmm. strickland's a hero throughout throughout <laughs> throughout every timeline throughout every iteration of hill valley strickland is the is the one good person in hill valley well i will say that is a hill i will die on i hill, love that hill, man the hill valley hill he'll die. Yeah. <laughs> i will say not the one good. I will say. Oh, yeah, there's a few other good people. There's but. a couple other good people. I will say though, Strickland and Lorraine. I'll yeah. explain my list of those two people. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I will. Oh, and definitely. Jennifer. See, look, look at that. <laughs> it's growing. He's the one good man in Hill Valley. <laughs> I will say that Strickland is more of a hero mm-hmm. than than people give him credit for. Yeah. Because well, here's the thing. Like in the first movie, if you judge only the first movie, yeah. it, it's okay. I get it. You need the the yeah. the the authoritative the, the, adult yeah. to. Uh, go because we've all had uh, or seen variations of that in our life mm-hmm. that's the point of him in the first movie yeah it, it is the point where by the time we get to like wild bill yeah strickland yeah. in the third movie um oh side note like, we're not gonna really do two and three well we'll sort of talk about them as they maybe relate to this one but and, we're not gonna fully dive into them because that would take nine hours right right it's, it's also like not hard to not bring up the other two yeah and we've seen them a lot so yeah. don't worry i didn't need a review but <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, so now we get to the uh, to uh, Marty auditioning, mm-hmm. um, with his for Huey Lewis for Huey Lewis. Yes, um, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's interesting that like it's I actually kind of dig how Huey's used in this one cameo. Yeah, although it, it's a, it's weirdly a joke that I think doesn't play as well now well, as it might have in the day here's the thing um yes because even if you know who Huey Lewis, i think maybe even especially if you know who Huey Lewis is the yeah. joke doesn't play well yeah and i think it, in this case like if the double joke is oh i get it yeah the guy uh, marty who is playing a huey lewis a song, huey lewis song yeah. the one we just heard earlier mm-hmm. uh is being told by huey lewis that yeah. your song is too loud yeah that's the joke mm-hmm. 
Um, but Marty is playing specifically a much more sort of rock and roll version of the song. Yeah. With no, he's his, with his band, the Pinheads. <sighs> Marty, that name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say the joke doesn't hit as hard as it probably did when it first came out. Yeah. I think the joke's still decent. But I think part of the joke is that like this, this. This cool, hard rock and roll guy, Huey oh, Lewis, is saying the music's too loud. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think Huey Lewis is as is, is well, looked on as especially hard these days. <laughs> no, especially when you look in hindsight of actually Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. But I will say what makes the joke still work for me just enough mm-hmm. is just the visual joke of like you have this like strict yeah. um, teacher authoritative character, and this character really only wants to talk through a megaphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that joke, for, the characterization works very well. Yeah. I will say that. Exactly. Um, and I, here's the thing, like, like, do you honestly think Marty and the Pinheads are good? No. No. <laughs> yeah, no. no. Sloppy. It's a he's, little over the place. He's, it's way over the top. He's like, <laughs> like that is a he's very... He's way overplaying his side of the music. <laughs> yes. He's, he's, he's a selfish guitar player, I would say. <laughs> Which I would say is also accurate of his performance with um, Marvin Berry and the... Ooh, why can't I pull their name right now? Uh-oh. Oh, no. What is happening to both of us? I don't know. Oh, I no. Is it the Starlighters? <laughs> am, am I, am I, am I, that's what that's what my brain is Who's, telling me, but that could be my brain whispering lies. Is there something me. wrong in our past? Someone's like screwing up the oh, world. No. Oh, anyway. I would like to talk about Claudia Wells for a second. Please. Uh, she's she's not in this movie a ton. She plays yeah. Jennifer in the first film, not mm-hmm. in the other two. Yeah, that would be Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. She reprises her role, though, for the Telltale Back to the Future games, that's right. which I was, I was very happy to see her. I think she does a great job in those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there, there are moments... Throughout her scenes, though, and this is one of them where she has little to do, but she really, really does well with it. Yeah. Whereas in this scene, like she's just watching Marty play. That's all she has to do. Right, right. But just, I mean, everything like her face, her pose, like everything about her, like sells her as as this girlfriend who's like really in love with Marty McFly. Yeah, I think you know a lot of the movie hinges on like Marty needing to get home back to her. Right, and it's kind of completely on her to sell that yeah. relationship in the two scenes they have together. Right. Which is a really fucking hard job and she does an amazing job with it. I feel like yeah, no, I'm glad you you're bringing her up because mm-hmm. I I feel like she gets lost in the conversation. Yeah. Um and it's not so much that people really really loved Elizabeth Shue's yeah. performance uh, I think just because she's just a little bit more well known, yeah. So she kind of gets sort of uh, overshadowed, mm-hmm. especially because the unfortunate. It's like, oh, she took over the girl who played Jennifer in the first movie, yeah. And also, Elizabeth, she was, uh, or Jennifer is more of a prominent character in, in two than in one. Yeah, uh, exactly. But um, I agree. No, like yeah. when when you, as I'm watching her this time out, it's like, oh, you know what? But like, she works yeah. really, really well, really and well. I I feel like it's a bit of a shame that like. We kind of like forget that she, you know how much she she adds, but you're right. Yeah. I think you're exactly on point by saying like if the end goal is for Marty to to get back to her, mm-hmm. then she does everything in her power as a performer to make sure that you un, you believe that she does legitimately care for him that much. Yeah. Um. And as as amazing as the script is, I would say that's one of the few things that's maybe not totally supported in the script, where you could easily see with with a lesser performance, it, the relationship wouldn't quite land. Oh yeah. Um, no, no, there's a totally does. I agree. I, and that's kind of the one of the things I will say that's a weakness throughout all three mm-hmm. Back to Future movies is Jennifer. Yeah. Um, and there's a I remember hearing a story here like Bob Gale or Zemeckis pointing out mm-hmm. the fact that they felt maybe it was a mistake to put Jennifer into DeLorean at, mm-hmm. at the end of part one. Yeah. To which I went, no, nah, that's on yeah. you. That's yeah. on you two for not writing more interesting things for her. Yeah. And deciding that she needed to be written out of the story by being knocked out. Yeah. That's not 
Yeah. The That's mistake, all, the yeah. mistake wasn't putting her in the DeLorean. The mistake was getting her out of it. So yeah, like, yeah. Trying to get her out of it right away. Yeah. Like there's that would have been such a really good dynamic. Yeah. If you put Jennifer and now she gets to be the new person in the scenario. Yeah. And she gets to experience the new time travel stuff. And she can also prove to why her and Marty are great together. Yeah. But instead, instead, you're like, well, what if she was asleep on a swing for most of the, for after they get back? Yeah. So that's that's a knock on the bobs. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like that's one of the bigger bobs. mistakes. Um, I will also say that's another reason why I think I think people kind of turned around on these when they came out. I remember people generally liking the Telltale Back to the Future games. And then mm-hmm. at a certain point, it feels like people kind of turned on them, maybe just because the Telltale games kind of became a little ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. People maybe got sick of them. Sure. But I really like the games for for like I think Jennifer has a lot more to do than she does in any of the movies. I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. I I, th- I think they're worth checking out. There's a little <laughs> recommendation for those Telltale Back to the Future games. I'm th- I'm not a big video gamer, so I haven't gone around to playing them. But I've I've been super tempted to at least do that one because yeah. it's Back to the Future. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um okay, so uh, we get to the scene with like Marty and Jennifer, and this mm-hmm. is also again more setup. Yeah. Right? So we're seeing the mayor Goldie Wilson campaign name is progress <laughs> uh and we're also uh the the scene mostly takes place in front of the clock yes the clock tower the clock tower uh, stopped at 10 4 p.m mm-hmm. yeah save the clock tower. Yeah. <laughs> um 30 years ago <laughs> uh yeah marty is feeling down on himself because his band got a bad review from huey lewis mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i understand <laughs> and jennifer is trying to encourage him to like put out a demo tape and send it to places and he's he's saying um he just doesn't know if he could handle that kind of rejection i don't know if, what if they say i'm no good what yeah. if they say yeah exactly and especially re-watching the film i i think uh this is a really great moment because he really does seem like george in this moment like yeah. it's one of the few moments where you see oh yeah you're his kid like for sure yeah even though he kind of like bluntly says it like i'm starting to sound like my dad yeah i think that's a very important thing to see yeah this moment because like we were talking about like Marty's cool. Yeah, Marty's very cool. And it, George is not. But this scene, yeah. this moment is our first crack of, but Marty's still a kid with some insecurities. Yeah. And yeah, like I like the fact that he gets, you know, like he literally goes like, I don't know. Yeah. Like he just got rejected several times that day. Yeah. And like, well, it's, it's the point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, there's also the, 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 uh, the we, we also get the bit of business with, um, Marty checking out a truck. Yeah. And, you know, it's again, that, it's that weird 80s, like, yeah. isn't that the dream? Get a lot of money and get cool cars. Yeah, that is, I think, one of the... I, st- I love this film. I still love this film. Yeah. But there are parts of it where it just... It really feels like, oh, this this is a film that bought into Reagan's America in yeah. a way that is, just seems kind of gross and weird. Um, yeah, I mean, like, listen, I think that's the thing we're going to say quite a bit. It's like, I still yeah. love this move. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't mean I can't point at things and go... That didn't age well. Yeah. Or I disagree with that kind of thought process now. And this is a weird one, too, where there's like, I mean, there's going to be things where it's more important, where like we, we talked a little bit already about the Peeping Tom stuff and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. But this one, I don't know. It just seems weirdly out of character. Right. Because it's not like, I mean, you picture like a like a cool musician kid. What would they want to drive? Like a yeah. four by four, like a big truck? A big old just, ugly truck? Like, it just know? seems so weird. Like, don't you? I thought he would be more of like a, like a, I don't know what kind of car. If I'm not anything, a car person. like a sports car person. Sports that would car, at least, yeah. I I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but a it would Corvette. make sense, sort of. Yeah. 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 It does seem, you're right. It does seem mildly out of character. Yeah. But it's it's also that case of like a couple of guys in their 40s writing what they think a 15-year-old might want. Yeah. So. It's also, I think, 
fact, one of the, I think what makes the movie work for me a lot of the time is is consistency. And this, I you could maybe argue that like the consistent theme throughout Back to the Future is a rabid endorsement of consumerism. <laughs> In which case, the truck sort of makes sense because I mean, there's no greater icon of consumerism than a big fucking gas guzzling truck like that. Right, right. Um, but I, it, yeah, it's it's weird. It sticks out a little bit. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it, it and it sticks out the further we go along. Um, Marty does uh, get a flyer. Yeah. For the clock tower, and he does donate. He, he's willing to donate. Yeah, he gives a quarter. Yeah. He gives a quarter. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer and and it's, it's like I think Jennifer and Marty try to kiss three times in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> they are interrupted at each turn. At each turn, in the last ten, a uh, last attempt. That's when Jennifer's dad comes up. Yeah. Um, they do get a kiss, but she also writes her grandma's phone number. This is a really sweet moment, I think, and yeah. it's also very important. Yes. So, because he says, "I'll call you," she says, oh, "I'll be at my grandma's. Let me give you the phone number." Mm-hmm. And she writes down a phone number, and there's a shot here, mm-hmm. um, and and a lot of credit to Michael J. Fox. There's like where, so she's writing down the phone number, and she's kind of bent over the paper a little bit, yeah, and yeah. her hair is blowing in the wind, and mm-hmm. Marty just sort of looks at her hair yeah. lovingly, and it's just it's a very sweet moment. Again, you're buying it, yeah, like you're buying their relationship. Yeah, they it, it's they they have such great chemistry for the few scenes they're in together. No, agreed. It, it, it's kind of a weird. When you think of like big Hollywood movies like this, and they mm-hmm. try to get to the romance angle of this stuff, so, yeah. um, that's the stuff that always seems forced or flat, or you just yeah. got to go with it, and it's okay. Um, there's just enough spark between Claudia and Michael, yeah, that you buy the relationship, even though it's only two to three scenes. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's I mean, I love Elizabeth Shue. I love Avengers: Babysitting. I think is one of the great eighties comedies. <laughs> yes, I never quite bought the chemistry between them the same way. I did it's with, not the same. Yeah, it definitely it just did feel off. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, no, so yeah, but this this does, of course, lead into very important set. Yes, it's a very important little little bit piece because she writes the phone number phone number on the back of the flyer, which means that Marty has to keep that flyer. Yes, that's a very important note to keep that I to have. Yeah. Um, and so he keeps the yeah, you know, and you know, and final note says I love you, and that's Grandma's phone number in the yeah. classic Hollywood five five five. Then we get home mm-hmm. because the whole plan is like Jennifer and Marty are gonna go to like a big. They're gonna go to the lake. Go to the lake and. Fuck. Let's be honest. Let's here. listen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sadly, the family car. Do you? Well, I have mm, a question. Go. Sorry. Go ahead. Do you think that was their first time fucking? Oh shit. No. <laughs> Me neither. Um, have you read the original? Have you read the first draft of the script? No, I haven't. Oh god, Justin, you need to get yourself online and read that draft. It's fucking wild. Okay. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I think is interesting about the first draft is that, like, in the original draft of the script. Marty is a much um, sort of seedier character than he is in the final draft. Mm-hmm. Like he sells weed. Um, <laughs> he also it, the the relationship between him and Doc Brown is explicitly explained in mm-hmm. that, in that um, Marty sells bootleg movies. I heard about that. And he uses Doc's equipment to do it. Yeah. So just with that in mind, of like Marty originating as a sort of CD character, that's why I said they, they this is definitely not their first time. <laughs> it's funny they know I did know about the the, the bootleg video, and I also yeah. know that's why like the universe was like, no way in hell are we having our yeah. hero be a bootlegger. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he explicitly sold porn as well, which yeah. really adds another <laughs> layer of Doc Brown. <laughs> Can I also, what are you doing, bud? You also point out You're like helping a seventeen-year-old distribute porn to his friends. It's not cool, Doc. Well, something else about that though that yeah. actually explains why the camera's set up. 
Yeah. Why Marty has some knowledge of, of the camera. Yeah, that's why he has that video. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's what I, it's funny. That's the that's the one thing that stuck yeah. um, about that horrible idea of, 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 of a senior Marty McFly. And, and folks, may I just say that is like 1% of the craziness in that original <laughs> script. If you please. haven't read it, please do yourself a favor. Read the original script and read the the novelization, which is sort of half based on the original script, half based on the on the. Please pepper in yeah. throughout this episode Those anything details. else that's like super, but buckwild bananas. That well, takes I'll say a left. one of my I, I I don't know if anyone else would find this as buckwild as I did, but it's very fun to me for all the there's a ton of Pepsi product placement throughout yeah. the film. Yeah. Uh, in the script, it's all Coke, which I think <laughs> is really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> It's like the M and M's Reese's thing about ET. Yeah, it's like well, we 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 offered it to Coke, but they turned us down. So yeah, I guess it's so Pepsi. Now it's Pepsi. It's now Pepsi. But uh, also in the original script, um, Doc Brown figured out the uh, time machine like right away in the fifties. But what mm-hmm. he was trying to invent that took him so long was the battery, mm. and he needed a specific chemical compound to make it work. He just couldn't figure out what had that compound. Yeah, and the way it finally works is Marty pours Coke in it. <laughs> Coke literally powers the time machine um, in the original draft of the oh screenplay. Oh my gosh, there is a that's, that's Coke plus plutonium. I think I think plutonium was still a part of it. Oh, that's a very popular flavor of Coke nowadays. Yeah, plutonium yeah. Coke, which ties into the ending of the original screenplay. <laughs> I guess I will get to when we get to the ending of the film. Don't let me forget that. Absolutely, I'll pin wild. I'll yeah. pin that as well. Yeah. Um, so um, we get to the house, and sadly, the family car is wrecked. Yes. Uh, and who do we find out did it? Our old pal Biff Tannen. Um and and again, some kind of terrible old age makeup. Well Biff and Biff is yelling at Marty's dad, yeah. George McFly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very awkward, yeah, really sad just yeah. scenario. The in their life in nineteen eighty five double A as we're calling it, yeah, is crushingly sad. <laughs> It is so. It is the weight of it will just wear down on you. Like it's it's actually kind of a testament, yeah, that Marty's mostly okay. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a like he's actually the cool enough guy yeah. that he's but like that he isn't. But I mean that's the thing, right? That's his way of rebelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I gotta make sure I'm a. I gotta be a little cooler than my yeah. mom, my dad. It's it's, it's a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> song. His life basically. <laughs> It totally, um, totally it's Thunder Road. Like Marty is living Thunder Road, essentially. Um, and again, it's here's the deal. Well, the makeup is uh, obviously you know, aged. Yeah. Um, it is a it is a testament to, to the performances. Yes, I will agree with that. One hundred percent. Crispin, Thomas, and Leah are yeah. so fucking good. They're phenomenal. Yeah, it, and they're so good at playing the age difference. It's yeah. it's incredible. I, yeah. I'm still impressed by it. Mm-hmm. The idea that like that Crispin uh found a way to play this sort of awkward, weird, nebbishy guy, but in two different age brackets. Yeah, and they're very distinctly both different, and yet you can see how one led to the other. Yeah, um, and that's kind of works for all of them, and it's mm-hmm. so great. And I I think. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of the incredible thing too. Is like they you buy them as teens, yeah. But man, do they sell it as like these broken adults? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, there's a funny line here that I I I I go back and forth between noticing it and not noticing it, mm-hmm. where um uh Biff is yelling at George for saying, "How could you not tell me there was a blind spot?" <laughs> and then George says, "I never noticed any blind spot when I drove it." And <laughs> Biff says, "What are you blind?" <laughs> Um, the first example in the film probably of Biff just sort of 
not having a great grasp of like idioms the- and turns of speech <laughs> and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Biff also spilled beer at him during the car during yeah. the car crash, but again, still feels that it's George's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biff wants him essentially as adults to do his homework for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a harsh set, and that's the thing. It's yeah. a way kind of like about Marty's reaction to all of this. He's just absorbing, mm-hmm. and though this is kind of the cool thing about Marty knowing this is his wish, his dad's wish with Biff. Yeah, is that he can already grow this resentment. Yeah. For Biff. Yeah. So he already hates this guy. Yeah. That's already more than enough. And presumably has hated him since childhood. Probably. Yeah. Knowing that. And I kind of love that. And yeah. like, and the fact that he hates his dad takes his shit. It mm-hmm. pisses him off. And like, yeah, but the only thing he can muster out of this whole thing, because he knows his dad has just already gone through that crap with yeah. Biff, is the car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the only thing he can really just... Is, express his frustration car, dad. <laughs> yeah. he could probably say way more but that will probably already hurt his dad further yeah. so he's just like car <laughs> yeah it's also interesting watching this uh as an adult you know you you kind of catch on things you wouldn't have as a kid like when i watch this movie as a kid i'm 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 only seeing it through marty's eyes right, right. which is why i'm saying like why is my dad such a wuss like why is he not standing up to this man mm-hmm. but then you watch it like i watch it now as an adult and i was like god can you imagine how much that must suck if you like you get out of high school yeah you get your first job and guess who one of your coworkers who will soon be your boss because i'm assuming that's how it worked out right right it's right. fucking biff tannen like your yeah. high school bully it now works at the same place as you like jesus christ oh my god what a <laughs> goddamn nightmare that must be and we see the the nightmare it's horrible yeah. um we then go to the, the dinner scene yeah um and again it's it's uh we we are also introduced to the little really the little scene mm-hmm. and very little talked about siblings yes of marty's family dave and linda dave and linda um dave i recognize him as mm-hmm. mark mcclure who played jimmy olsen oh yeah in the christopher reeve superman movie yeah um and uh linda i i don't know specifically She's definitely one of those like comedy actresses. Uh, well, at the time. I, there's a little bit of uh, uh, sadness. Um, soon after Back to the Future, she she got cancer and passed away. Oh, um, wow. So Back to the Future was kind of the big thing that she was in, and then her, her uh, career was unfortunately cut short after that. I honestly didn't know that. Oh, that's a yeah. bummer. I I know she worked with Zemeckis previously. Yeah, I can't remember which movie, but she she had uh, been. In, in, I want to hold your hand. Okay, the the one that I haven't seen that makes sense, but I couldn't remember it. Actually, funny enough, I I was commenting there going, I realized I never saw that one. Yeah, <laughs> when I was watching it again because I was watching the making of, I went, oh, I never saw that one. Yeah, well, I should get around to that just as a completist. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it, but already we're kind of getting a a good hint of their home life, mm-hmm. and it's I don't know how old they are. Well, they're older than Marty, right? And Marty's seventeen. Like. Dave is what probably mid early twenties, yeah. mid twenties maybe. Yeah. But he works at a fast food joint, probably yeah. Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would seem. Um, uh, it would seem so. And I, we, Linda probably left. It's already out of high school, but probably not in college. Well, Linda has a. Do you think it was her, a high school or a college sweater she's wearing? That's class of eighty four in the uh, picture. I would say high school, right? So she probably just got a high school. Yeah, I think she's in college currently. Okay, and living at home, going to like a local community college. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, I, I always feel like the the sad dinner detail mm-hmm. for me yeah. is the serving of the peanut brittle. Well, do you know about the deleted <laughs> scene involving the peanut brittle? No. There's a deleted scene where a um, a a sort of Girl Scout type character mm-hmm. um bullies George McFly into buying two boxes of peanut brittle. <laughs> so. 
that was the origin of the peanut brittle. Oh. So he didn't want to buy any, but the, a small a small child bullied him into it. Did you see me? Did you see me? Like, my, <laughs> I, I saw just, your reaction. My heart broke again. Yeah. Oh my god, that was enough. I didn't yeah. need to. No, I think that's enough. You don't need to do any more to present the 1985 George. That's yeah. I, and I think maybe that's why that scene was cut because it was like we we've we've done enough. Yeah, I think the scene with Biff is fine. Yeah. Um, because okay, well that actually makes sense because yeah. it's the set, it's the payoff, right? Yeah, he does, and he like, well, I guess we're eating this for dinner. Yeah, not knowing that, I just thought that was a weird detail of like, and this family eats dessert like just a fat bo- a box of like. My interpretation of, has always of, been that it's. Brito. The, the dinner is just so disorganized that it's just everyone kind of grabs whatever they're going to eat. Sure, yeah. No one's cooking. They're just kind of grabbing whatever's handy. And for George, <laughs> that was a, just a whole bowl of peanut brittle. <laughs> um, uh, Lorraine also makes her introduction to the film. Yes. And she uh, she points out the fact, like, sorry, guys, uh, but uh, looks like we're going to eat this cake by ourselves. Yeah. Your Uncle Joy didn't. Didn't didn't make parole. Didn't make parole. She plops yeah. down a sheet cake of a, a free bird, a yeah. free bird icing on the cake. It's so sweet, this cake. I really, I, I encourage uh, when you watch this movie to take a good look at that cake because it's a very sweet image of a of a bird flying out of jail. It looks so homemade. It's delightful. It's and it's kind of the thing where it's like you you always feel for for Lorraine. Yeah, and like it's that case of like Lorraine, <laughs> poor, Lo- Lorraine. poor Lorraine. Poor yeah. Lorraine, especially nineteen eighty five AA. Yeah, Lorraine. It's. Um, just she's just sees like the best part of her years, kind of in, in in the rear view. In the rear view, and that's what yeah. she always talks about, like the when she met George, because that was the one good time she had with him. <laughs> um, yeah. So we she's she's reminiscing about uh, early days with George, mm-hmm. uh, which is of course setting up. Uh, she's she's describing all the details that we're going to see Marty have to reenact. Right, and that's again very important. Yeah. It's not, it, it does set up the, the kind of relationship she has with George or how she sees the relationship with George. Mm-hmm. And this is what's so good about it. It works two ways. One, yeah. it gives us the audience. Okay, this is the information that we and Marty will need to know when this event happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it paints a very different POV. Yeah, of this situation. Yeah, until we actually really find out why George was there at all well there's and there's a moment too where um it's it, it's so weird because it, it's wrapped up in this kind of gross detail that that george was peeping yeah but it it also sort of i would say is like a well-written well-acted character point where she says um what were you doing again george huh? bird watching huh? and here what? he goes what lorraine <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, like, he's, like, he's like all these years later he's still nervous about it because of course he is because he was doing something despicable um, I, I love that so much yeah because his reaction is just from, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What yeah. was that? I'm sorry, what? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, I'm sure. 30 years ago, how can I remember anyone? Yeah. Um, um, I was always like Linda's reaction. She's like, it's so stupid. Grandpa nearly went car. I really like the sort of, you get a feel for the family here between Lorraine and Linda. Yeah. That's a, I think that's really a strength of this film in general is, you know, characters will show up for a scene yeah. and you still get a you get a good sense of, of who they are in their relationship with the other characters. It's like Dave, right? Like yeah. like he he can tell that like he loves his parents, you yeah. know, and so much like, oh you'll give your mom a kiss for you. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. And he kisses his dad on the forehead it's like, Dad, you better change that oil. Yeah. Because of like, all the grease <laughs> on the hair. George loves it. He's cracking up. <laughs> but it's the thing is like he loves them. And yeah. that's something like, oh I could see that. Yeah. That's that's kinda cool. And so like even and he's outy after yeah. that. He isn't 
like he's not a character for the rest of the movie. No, he shows up again at the very end, mm-hmm. and then in two, it's he's in jail off screen. Right. In 1985B. Yeah. Um, throughout the scene, also Lorraine is drinking Popov, um, which uh, paints her as a very specific kind of alcoholic, I would say. <laughs> Someone who drinks Popov as a as an adult. Yeah. Um. Um, and they're also watching uh, uh, Honeymooners. Yes, which again will will come up later. Yes, that's I mean that's something people talk about when they talk about this movie is literally every there's not a single second of the movie that is not either setting something off or mm-hmm. paying something off. It's, setting something off or paying something off. Rather, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a testament to yeah. one of the reasons why the movie has endured for so long is when you do look at it like in a structural fashion, in a screenplay fashion, yeah. and you realize that like they knew or just instinctively felt the need to like put things to set up to pay off later actually yeah. it's one of the things I like about the Blu-ray yeah uh, briefly Bob Gale talks about the writing process and he brings up the fact that like well okay we want to say Marty is good at Marty does a skateboard thing in yeah. 1950 he, Marty invents the skateboard yeah. in 1955 so we have to establish that he's he, by having him do a reckless, dangerous <laughs> skateboarding move to get to school. Uh, but we have to establish that. So you have to so, showcase not one, but several moments of him skateboarding yeah. to show that he can do it. Um, and here's the thing. Reckless ends up being part of his help yeah, <laughs> true. in 1955. Yeah. So you do have to set things up. And it's 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 almost screams like screenplay 101. Yeah. Where it's like, you're going to write this. Not every movie needs to be written like Back to the Future. But you have to understand set up and payoff. Yeah. And you have to you even have to understand the idea that you should consider setting something up mm-hmm. to pay off yeah. in some fashion. Um, and that's this whole first act is setting up. Yeah, and it sets up everything so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, next is the Marty going to the mall. The mall. He, yeah. he wakes up. He's being, he woke up by dog. Uh, Hi everyone, it's Emily again. Just to get in a few plugs, since we did that at the end of recording, so it's not on the end of this episode. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at VeryCoolEmily. You can follow Justin on Twitter, and I believe his Instagram is the same. It's at Justin Keyson. You can check out our other shows. We both have another show that we do with Andrew Lindy. I do the Super Mario Bros. Minute, where we talk about the Super Mario Bros. movie minute by minute. Uh, if you know the Star Wars Minute, you're familiar with the format. Um, and Justin does Nothing New, which is a show about remakes. Every episode, they talk about a movie and its remake those are both on the Benview network um justin also does a webcomic called shining yusha you can check that out online and i'm very bad at remembering these when justin's not here in the room with me but i i believe that's all of that's that's everything just like porky pig said that's all folks oh you can like you can email us at benview and spielberg at gmail.com and you can follow us on twitter at Ben mute. Ben, nope. You can follow us on Twitter at Ben on Steve. Oh, uh, some somebody get that that dang pig out here to say that's all, folks. Once again, this is a mess, and I'm sorry. And we'll see you next week. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. 
And amusings are your musings. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Hi, I'm David. And I'm Kayla. And if it wasn't readily apparent from that, we're huge nerds about Disney. That's why we're doing the Animusings podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a film in detail from the Walt Disney Animation Studios filmography, covering them in chronological order, from Snow White to Moana and beyond. To Moana and beyond! Sweetie, we're not doing Pixar yet. We'll do that after. (laughs) That's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Kayla and I, and maybe a guest or two, as we explore the Disney animated canon, film by film. With the hope that it'll be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Ooh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Walt. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.